0: Sure never planned on being a 20-year-old pastor, or a 21-year-old pastor, or a 22-year-old pastor. I will say, when I was a 20-year-old pastor, all I wanted to do was be a 25-year-old pastor, but now I'm a 25-year-old pastor, and I want to be a 30-year-old pastor. I'm still (laughs) a little young for the job, but we've had a a good five years, and looking forward to the future um, as well. Uh, Never planned on being a pastor, never even really planned on being a part of a, a local church community, but... From the moment I became a Christian in high school, I was very interested in the church. And I did have a lot of ideas about the church, a lot of thoughts and dreams and hopes, and in particular, a lot of disappointments about the church, because the church almost never met up to what I had dreamed and hoped that it might be. Um, and so the opportunity to become a pastor for me was was almost an experiment of sorts, right? Could we create a, a local church body? Could we foster the kind of... Um, community that I had maybe hoped would exist one day and when I became a Christian I, I encountered God real powerfully but it wasn't in a church it wasn't in um, church worship services it wasn't in a, a local church community that got together um, to break bread every week and to, to read the scriptures and to worship together um, I found God in in really in three places in particular I found him in a library in a living room and then in a, on a zip line um, and, and I want to invite you to these kind of three places this morning and kind of let share you share with you kind of my dream and my hopes and my goals Um, for the church and and for our community here this morning. So when I first became a Christian, there was a teacher um, at the high school that I was going to, his name was Tony, who started to kind of bring me in uh, to his family, kind of adopted me in, and and started to kind of pour out into me, started started to to mentor me, to disciple me, started to teach me what it meant to be a Christian. At the time, I had very little idea. I was surrounded by um, a lot of my life Christians who, who weren't really great examples, right? They were the kind of Christians I didn't want to be if I wanted to be a Christian. I didn't know how to do this. I tried opening my Bible up and reading it, and it was confusing to me. And I tried praying, and I didn't know how. It was boring. I felt like I was talking to the ceiling. And so I needed someone to come and, and show me. I needed someone to come and um, kind of lead me into the, the different ways that, that you and I develop our relationship with Christ. And so Tony um, did this. And, and where he did this was in the library. So every morning, um, my senior year of high school, we met before school started in a library. Um, if you know how deep of a sleeper I am, okay, um, I'm still, I'm just continually, perennially late to everything, this is pretty impressive that I got to the school as a senior early, okay, we met in this library, and every day, okay, senior year, we would pray together, and we'd read the Bible together, we'd talk together, we'd go over things together, And and we'd hold each other accountable. We'd share with each other. And it was in that library that I really learned what it is to grow in your faith with Christ. What it is to take small but faithful steps. What it is to learn how to further and further practice the spiritual disciplines. I've said this before. I know how to read the Bible because I watched Tony read the Bible. And I know how to pray because I listened to Tony pray. And I know how to confess my sins to other people because I watched Tony confess his sins to me. And I know how to handle conflict because I watched him conflict right he he brought me in and and kind of grew me and now at the time i'd been in, in different churches throughout my life and i'd never really experienced that i'd never experienced a relationship or a place where i really was able to grow and foster my relationship with christ where i was able to to be taught and to learn and to be mentored in what it is to be a christian but when I became a Christian, I found God. I experienced Him powerfully in that in that library, and also in the living room. Okay, so shortly after that, I started going to a Bible study at the Hendersons' house. Okay, on Sunday nights, and um, it was a, a high school Bible study. Henderson uh, Chris was the uh, worship pastor here at the church. Still is, not was. Um, <laughs> and they had a group of kids um, from the church, and, and they would meet on Sunday nights. And I went, and and I was surprised by what I found there because it was this kind of real honest wrestling with the scriptures. And so we would go through a book of the Bible, we just open it up, and we'd kind of dive in. And I was at a depth that I had never really experienced before. And my experience, when you do a Bible study, okay, you show up, no one's read it or thought about it, you open it, and you go... What do you think? And everyone kind of offers like a kind of a half answer, right? And then you kind of move on, right? You play some games, play some ping pong, have some pizza, and then you're done, right? It was Bible study. But this was something different, right? This was a place where people got together and they, they really went into depth. And if they had doubts, they expressed their doubts. And, and if they needed to share uh, and be honest, they were sharing and being honest. And if they disagreed, they were able to have an argument and, and yet remain friends. They, they wrestled. They they weren't afraid of the scriptures, right? They they really went after and I i never experienced that before. I mean, in in my experience, church was a place where you never heard anything controversial, right? Where you, I mean, you, this is my, this is what I hate about sermons. So if you want to know, I mean, what I think is the worst possible sermon in the world, it's a sermon that doesn't have anything in it that you couldn't think of yourself in two minutes, right? A sermon that, that doesn't actually lead you any further into the scriptures or make you question something that you once believed or make you wrestle with God yourself, I sit there for 30 minutes and go, what was the point? I could have thought of that myself, right? I, there, was no, there was no preparation in that. There was nothing there challenging me, making me wrestle. There's nothing there for me to let my doubts <coughs> out. There's nothing there for let me to um, let me be honest with the text. Let me be honest with the scriptures. But in that living room, I experienced what, what that's like to explore and to, to, to grapple with deep truths and to go past the, the shallow level, go past the surface um, when we think about and talk about God. With each other, and then on a zip line. Uh, uh, about a year later, I was working at a, a summer camp, and at the summer camp, the, the way it works, the name was Sky Ranch. Um, there were five counselors in our cabin, and we had 29-year-old boys every week, and they were just kind of shift through 20 kids. And our job was to kind of give them the camp experience, okay? And and this really interesting thing happened, and happens in that environment, which is you form this really close brotherhood, okay? Probably at some point in your life, you've experienced something like this. Uh, maybe it was a college roommate maybe it was a fraternity okay maybe it was a team in high school um, but you had this kind of close close group of people that you had to do something with you had this mission with and you formed this really um kind of close bond with them and um i say sat on the zip line because the zip line was something we had to do every week so we would take the kids around and lead them to the different parts of camp and then we would kind of do those events with the kids and the zip line was probably the the, the least fun event to do with the kids it was the most work for us um, there was no shade at the zip line. It was all sun. Okay, so it was just bearing down on you. You were in gear. You had a helmet on. They're nine-year-old kids, so you're putting their gear on and putting their helmet on. And you're tying ropes and you're untying ropes. And then there's the adrenaline of realizing that you're shoving a kid off of like a 150-foot tower, right? I mean, if that doesn't make you a little bit nervous, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, and I don't know if you've ever done this. If you ever pushed them off zip line, but there's the scariest like half second of your life. Because the first mo- uh, movement, the first motion that someone does after they go off a zip line is down, right? The line has a little bit of slack, and you catch. And so there's always that, like, half second where they go six inches down, and you're like, please stop, please stop, please stop, <laughs> right? And they catch, and they go. And, and so what the zip line was, was kind of... Um, not the easiest thing to do during the week. You just want to take a long nap afterwards. you were tired, you were hot, you were sweaty. It was also one of the, probably the, the most fun for the kids to experience. And one where you see a lot of breakthroughs with the, the kids, right? Because you have kids who are scared of the zip line. And so there's nothing more fun than to take like a crying kid and just throw them off anyways. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, right? I mean, there was one of those situations where... You have to face a fear, right? It's a teachable moment where you can gather around and you can pray and you can talk about how sometimes you have to take risk in life and sometimes you have to trust, right, that you're just not going to hit the ground, that someone has taken care of making sure all the ropes are tied, that someone has taken care of, of, of you, is looking after you, right? And you just have to go out in faith. You have to, you have to go. And still, um, to this day, actually, it was not too long ago, a kid from our summer there, there were nine years old there. They're, I think, juniors now in high school, which, which is weird for me to think about, um, found me on Facebook and emailed me, and uh, it was a moment at the zipline that he remembered, um, a moment that was kind of like a breakthrough in his own life and in his own faith with God, right? We, we were able to form this, this kind of brotherhood, and we're able to accomplish something. We're able to transform uh, people's lives. We're able to, to kind of throw our weight behind a common purpose, a common mission, um, and to really kind of make a difference in the world. Again, that was something I had never really experienced at a church, um, I'd never really, in my experience, gone to a church that had challenged me to kind of throw my whole life behind a cause, behind a purpose, behind a mission. Um, I'd gone to churches where, where I kind of got out of hell and could kind of sit there and try to be a, like a nice boy for the rest of my life, um, but it wasn't really a dangerous, it wasn't really an important and urgent call um, laid out for us. But, it, but on the zip line, I found this, this call from God to, to, to go out, to change the world, to out and transform people, to God and impact lives. And, and from that time, that the time in the library, in the living room, and, and on the zip line, I've, I've always deeply wanted other people to be able to experience those situations. And then I've always wondered, what would that be like? Is it even possible to do that in a church? A local community of believers. Messy. Smelly. With all kinds of flaws. With drama. Would it be possible to have a, a local community... Where people could experience a library moment, where they could grow in their faith, be trained in their faith, where where people could experience a living room, where they could share their doubts, where they could be honest, where they could wrestle, where they wouldn't be afraid to question, to really read the scriptures, where they would be able to, to throw their lives into the kingdom, to commit to the purpose, the mission that Christ had called them to. This is kind of what we've been trying to do here at First Colony Christian Church. This is what my goal has been for the church, is to, to create a, a local community, to have a kind of a, a place and a group of people where we can foster these type of things. In fact, as we'll see in 1 Corinthians, I think this is God's dream for the church. I think he wants the church, a local community, to be a place where his power and presence are experienced in a really powerful place. So if you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 10, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. You'll read with me. This is Paul writing. He says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, Paul was a church planner. This is what he did. He, he traveled around and started up churches. So he converted a few people introduce them to each other, get a pastor there, um, set up some deacons, things like that, and then he would travel on. Most of our New Testament are letters that he wrote to the churches that he had started. Um, Now, the church in Corinth, who he's writing to in in 1 Corinthians, had some problems. Okay, so Paul had some dreams and hopes for the church in Corinth, and they had their (coughs) own plans. Uh, I've called the church in Corinth, church gone wild before, okay? It's the church that you don't want to be. They had lots and lots of problems, they would get drunk at communion, okay? That was, like a, that was like a time for them to really party at communion. And Paul's writing them like, hey, how about we don't do that, right? Um, one of those things that seems like a good idea, maybe, but it's not really a good idea. They would um, use communion to be a time to separate the wealthy and the poor, right? The wealthy would have this kind of, remember, communion back then was a full meal. They'd have this huge five-course meal while the, the poor would go hungry over there. He said, are you all not getting together to celebrate how Christ has loved all of you equally and shared his grace with all of you? What are you, what are you doing here? You're hoarding. They had a guy who was sleeping with a stepmom. Say, what? Yes, he was sleeping with a stepmom, and they were bragging about it. They were proud of it. And Paul has to write them, and be like, that's not something to be proud of, right? I'm sure Paul is sitting there thinking, I never in my life thought I would have to say that. So actually, high schoolers, sometimes that situation occurs, right? You say something, and in the back of mind, you're like, I never thought in my life I would ever have to say that sentence, right? Don't eat the pen. I mean, you just think that you never, you never think that you have to express <laughs> Paul's in there going, don't, this is not a good thing, right? This is not something to be praised. We need to stop this behavior um, at the moment. Now, one of the things that they had done was the church has split off into factions. So they had... Um, had these kind of competing groups. So Paul started the church, he built the foundation, and then other people have been building the church. And they have kind of attached themselves to different of the builders. Okay, So some have said, I'm with Paul, and some have said, I'm with Apollos, a pastor over here. Some have said, I'm with Christ, I'm with him, or I'm with her. And they have split off in these groups, and they're competing with each other. And they're saying, we're more spiritual than you are. We should be leading the church. We're wiser than you are. We can perform more miracles than you can. We have uh, we speak in tongues more than you do. And they're kind of it'd be like if uh, FCQ kind of split off in these factions, and some people are like, I'm with Pastor Mike, and some people are like, I'm with Chris, and I'm with West, right? And our groups are kind of competing each other, trying to brag, trying to gain ground. Obviously, my group would win, but there's this kind of disunity in the church, right? And and one of the reasons Paul's writing this letter is to say, hey, you you've got to kind of come back together here. Remember this famous chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, right at every wedding? One thing remains love. He says, look, if you, it doesn't matter if you're grouped and speak in tongues more than anybody else. It means nothing. If you're not loving each other, it doesn't matter if you have faith, that can move a mountain. It, it's worthless. He says, y'all are like little kids here. You should be loving each other. He says, the wisdom of God is not found in, in being better than other people and bragging about your importance and your power and your leadership and your authority. It's found in a cross. It's found in loving others, serving others, lifting others up. So Paul's addressing these factions. In fact, that's what he's just been writing about. And then in verse 10, he says, "Um, by the grace given to me, I built a foundation, and now other people are building upon it. In verse 11, he says, for no one can lay a foundation other than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For each one's work will become, um, I'm sorry... 13. Each one's work will book a manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. The builder, that is. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, this is really a warning to the pastors, okay, to kind of get their groups under control. Um, he's saying, look, there's a way you can build the foundation that I've left you in this church wisely with gold. And there's a way you can do it wrongly, a way that's not going to last, a way that's going to be burned up. He's saying, God takes this seriously. This is not something to play around with, those who are leading the church in Corinth. God cares very seriously how his local communities are interacting with each other, what they're doing. The reason why he cares is in verse 16 here. This is hugely important, verse 16. This is why it's such a big deal that they take care of and make sure they're doing the right thing with their, their church. Verse 16, do you not know... That you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, um, we have a bit of a problem when we read this verse. Okay, Here's the problem. You and I speak English. Okay, um, Besides not being the language the Bible was written in, English is also a poor language in certain regards. We have deficiencies in our language. One of them is this. In most languages, when you use pronouns, there's a different form for a singular pronoun and a plural pronoun. Some of you, I know, have just checked out, right? This is not English class. What are we doing here? Okay, I'm not diagramming a sentence. Don't even try to go there. Um, English doesn't do this, particularly with the second person. What I mean is is this, you. What's the plural for you? Okay, Texans. (laughs) Y'all. Utes, uses, you guyses. What's funny is different areas of our country have tried to fix this deficiency. Have noticed it's hard. We get confused, right? When I want to say you to all of you, what do I say? You all. Y'all. Texans know how to do it. I mean, we've been... We've been telling people for a long time that everything's better in Texas. <laughs> They're just not believing us. In fact, I think a good practice for you when you read the scriptures, and we'll, we'll apply this here to verse 16, is for you to read like a Texan. There's a guy named John Dreyer who created a, a, a Bible plug-in on an app for the Bible that translates a lot of these you's into y'all. The reason is this. When you see that word you in verse 16, you see it? Do not you know? That's not a singular you. That's not talking about you as an individual that's a plural you and when you see that word temple that's a singular often when we read this verse i think sometimes we reverse those um those words we think that all of us individually as one are temples so that god has a lot of little temples running around in the world paul's not saying that paul's saying you the church community together are one temple You're where God dwells. John Dreyer, the guy who created that that app, uh, he says this. There's at least, he did the math here, at least 4,700 verses in the Old and New Testament where the English you could lead a reader to think it's directed at him or her personally when in the original language it's you plural. It's talking about a church as a community. Um, Now, the problem with this is... Our English does this for us. And then we already exist in a world where we're kind of individualistic, right? I mean, we're already tempted to kind of make everything about us and my personal relationship with Jesus and my personal experience of God. And sometimes we have a hard time incorporating church in that, right? I've said this before. I think it's a misunderstanding of church when church is nothing more than your Facebook friends with Jesus, right? Your mutual friends with Jesus. We don't just happen to like the same person, right? We're actually connected to each other. We're actually involved in a community. We're actually a a spiritual family. You all, y'all are the temple of God. So let's read it like Texans. Okay, verse 16. Here we go. Do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in y'all. This is so much fun, by the way. (laughs) If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you, y'all, are that temple. So the temple, do you remember this from the Old Testament? This was the, the building where God's, God dwelt, where his presence was, where people come and worship and experience him. God's spirit. God is triune. He's three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God's spirit is a third person of the, the Trinity. His job, what he tends to do in the world is he brings the Father's power and presence. So when the spirit shows up, usually you see a lot of divine things happening. When the spirit shows up, usually you see someone encounter God. That's his kind of job. He brings the Father to creation, the power and presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Paul says here the community in Corinth, there where God is dwelling in the world, there where people can go to experience God, to worship God. That community in Corinth, there where the power and presence of God is available to experience, to be shared. We could read this verse and, and make it a little bit more specific, okay? He's writing to Corinth here, um, but we could input our own local community, okay? Doesn't first colony Christian church know that they are God's temple. That the Spirit of God dwells in first colony Christian church. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy them, for his temple is holy, and first calling Christian church is that temple. It's a bold statement. it kind of makes you think, we're not really worthy, right? And then you think, again, think of the Corinth church. Think of the the, the Christians in Corinth. What's interesting here is that Paul doesn't say, um, you should be God's temple, right? He doesn't say, once you fix all these things, you will be God's temple. He says, you are God's temple, so you better start acting like it. Even with all of your flaws, even with all the things you do wrong, even with all the things you need to do better, you are God's temple. This is God's dream for the world. The church, Regular people like you and I, worshiping together, living life together, growing spiritually together, reading the scriptures together, going on mission together. And this is God's dream. This is His plan for His power and presence to be experienced in the world. We worship. We go on mission. We're God's temple, where His Spirit dwells. Now, this morning, I, I want to ask the question, we do this every year here at the 1st of January, have we done this in 2013? In what ways have we done this? How's that looked? And then, and then looking forward in 2014, where will we be going? That's kind of our yearly State of the, the Union address, State of FCQ address, okay? So, 2013 uh, was, I think, a, a great year. In fact, I think it was probably one of the better, if not best, years that we've had, at least since I've been here at the church Um, A lot of things have happened. We'll run through it with my already established kind of um, scene. It's a library where people can grow in their faith, and then living room where people can explore intellectually and grapple and and be honest, and then um, a zip line where people can go on mission together. So, um, in our library in 2013, we, we saw some things. We had some baptisms this year, which is always a good pulse for a church to see um, if people are being brought into the faith, being publicly announced into God's family, as household. Um, we uh, baptized two people in June in a beautiful service in the rain, in a Pepsi, Pepsi cooler outside. You remember this? Um, Asher and Adriana. Um, praying for Asher. <laughs> I sure went through the fire that day. <laughs> trials through many trials and tribulations <laughs> <coughs> Into the kingdom. Um, we've had other prayer services throughout the year. Again, this is a time um, where if you struggle to pray, this is a time where you can come in and hear other people pray. This is a time where you can come in and practice and pray. Um, our children's ministry has run strong in teaching our kiddos. Um, such an important thing um, to be able to train up our, our kids in the way of the Lord. Um, we don't babysit in those rooms. Okay, We teach... Um, we, we try to tell who God is, what he's like, what he's done in the world. It's not a time where we just kind of hide them away from you. Um, I actually want them in here listening listen to my sermon. I'm told they can't take notes, though. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try it out. Uh, we uh, have our high school ministry up and running. In fact, this is probably one of our bigger um, things in 2013 is we were able to hire uh, Wes Pogue as our, our youth pastor. And if you've not met Wes, he's the one who does the announcements, his beautiful bride, <laughs> Beth. And then his, I think, 32, 33 kids? What is it? Five kids? Okay, it's a, it's a lot. Uh, you should you should get to know them and, and meet them. And so training up our high schoolers, I'm giving them a place where they can grow, where they can be honest, where they can wrestle with the scriptures. We have a middle school ministry that's thriving, um, often under the radar. Zach Mikeska, uh, Michelle's husband, does this on some nights as well. They just had a lock in actually on Friday, and apparently, I'm told there's still a middle school ministry. So, which is always a real question after a lock in. Okay. Um, we have a, a women's day group that meets, um, and I know that they really get after it together. We have a, we had, this last year, for the first time ever, a men and women's retreat, which by um, which was so successful that it, there was immediately demand for two a year, so we already have spring ones coming up. We'll be in details to you there. So a few ways that, that we tried to create this library experience, and I think we're successful. Um, living room, exploration. One of the things that a lot of you, I know, are here at the church for and, and appreciate about the church is that... Um, we take the scriptures really seriously. We try to take the scriptures seriously. And when I preach, I try to be, I try to be really biblical, right? I, 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 my main priority when I'm thinking about what a sermon is is what text are we in? Um, what, what kind of digging are we going to do in that text? How am I going to challenge your views on God? How am I going to teach you something new about the scriptures? How am I going to challenge your, your mission and your purpose in the world? So looking back on sermons, um, we finished the, the Acts series, which was uh, A Small Miracle in Itself, We, uh, toward Easter, had our Resurrection Matters series, which I thought was a pretty special time. Um, Just real recently, we had our Incarnation Matters series. So be on the lookout for another theological word with matters. That's kind of the thing we're doing, I guess. Um, We had our FCQ Family Traits. Then we had our Big Daniel series, where we walked through the Book of Daniel um, in two parts with the resident aliens at the beginning and visions of victory at the beginning. We brought back our elephant in the room this summer which I'll, I'll tell you is one of the things that makes our church really unique okay among other churches that um if you're not aware of in the rooms when we come and we debate the most controversial topics we can think of okay and we'll get two people yeah. to represent the two sides and we'll go at it and we'll have question and answer the summer we did evolution creationism the role of women um in church and at home and then um the god's sovereignty um what is he responsible for how much does he control what does he allow how does free will play into that um I can tell you we've had people from other churches come and did get in trouble for participating, right? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, right? This, this kind of place where questions are discouraged. I don't think that's what the church should be. The church is a place where questions are encouraged, where we dig into the scripture strongly. Um, there are already plans in the work for an Elephant in the Room this summer. We'll be doing that as well. We had different book studies and classes and things of that nature. Um, Zipline, okay, purpose and mission. Um, if you look around, we've had growth, Okay. Um, beautiful growth in first service and in second service. We've added new families, we've added new faces, we've got new kiddos running around. Um, we've been able to to grow and invite more people into our community and to experience the, the joy that we experience here. We are partners for a long time with East Forp and Human Needs, um, and so we're able to pour more, I think, energy and effort and money uh, over there, raising funds for them, doing school supply drives, things of that nature, providing volunteers. Uh, We started a partnership with Elijah Rising, if you're unfamiliar um, with that, a a human trafficking ministry. Uh, So Houston's one of the biggest cities for human trafficking. Um, They go out on the front lines um, and seek to rescue um, and pray over and and bring Christ's light into these dark places. And so we have been partnering with them financially um, for the year. We have been praying for them. And then just real soon here in a week or two, we're going to be out on the ground. Um, in Houston, working side-by-side side with them. So, um, in fact, it's this next Thursday, if you're interested, if that's something you think you want to do is be on the ground, we're going to meet up at the church. Do you know what time, Sam? Um, yes, yeah, so Thursday, um, having a day of fasting if you want to participate, and then at 7 o'clock we'll meet at the church. Um, and this is just a great time to talk about what outreach looks like um, in a very frank and kind of sensible manner. And then after that, we can break fast together um, and pray together before our first. And so that'll be this Thursday, and then the following Thursday, we're going to meet at the church at seven um, to um, possibly break fast together, then go out to outreach. Um, so this this Thursday, just come, kind of, no obligation if you show up. I'm not going to call you on outreach day at seven o'clock this week at seven, just to talk about what outreach is going to look like. And the following week, um, actually going in outreach, and that um, the outreach is only open to eighteen or. Great. So I, I hope to see you there this Thursday evening. I'll be up here um, and, and hope again if God's calling you to do that, uh, to be up here. It's not the only way you can partner with the Rising uh, at First Colony, but it is a way if you feel so called. Um, and on mission, I know for a fact that um, even personally that, that um, we've all been growing and, and being called to go out and to... Um, to go out and meet neighbors if we've never met neighbors and to, to befriend people and to, to pray for people and invite them to church. And for some of us, it's is a really big step, right? And for some of us, we've just invited people for years and they just keep ignoring us, right? But we're going to just keep inviting, right? We're just going to keep sharing the, the the love that Christ has given to us. We're going to keep sharing the, the church community that we have um, been called into. And so 2013, there's a long list of things. We just keep going. I think um, we made important steps toward being a place where, where God dwells and his spirit is available and powerful always room to improve and so that's what we're looking to do in 2014 in and library in our library our discipleship okay we want to one of my goals for 2014 is to further think about and implement ways to integrate Um, Members and to um, kind of provide an on-ramp onto the church, okay? So um, some of you, I think, can attest to this if you've come real recently. Sometimes there's some questions like, what do I do to actually become a member? Um, What does it actually mean to be a member? Things like that. So um, we'll have that plan coming out to you soon. Um, Characteristics of a member, I think, um, here's kind of what is in our minds as leadership of the church for what we, what we think it would mean to belong to Cubed. okay? These are the, the characteristics of someone who would belong to our church and really get um, plugged in with our church. They would attend worship regularly. I think there's a special blessing that happens when you're, you're here week in and week out. There's kind of this rhythm you get into, and there's kind of this transformation that happens over a year that you almost don't notice, right? Like a kid growing, um, that, that kind of regular um, reorienting of your attention to God. Um, they would grow in spiritual disciplines like praying and reading scripture. And notice I didn't say you pray four times a day and read scripture six times a day. I said you're, you're growing in praying, right? You're praying a little bit more now than you were last year. You're, you're reading scripture a little bit more now than, than you were last year. Um, they have a sp- personal spiritual community in the church. They have friends in the church. Um, they have people that they can um, be honest with, confess with. They People they can be fun with and then people that they can um, have hold them accountable um, they ha- have some kind of role in serving the church body whether it's in a ministry um, or in, in various ways that they have gotten plugged in there and then they um, join the church in mission they have other ways that they are helping us go out into the world and to serve other people and that can be as much as just participating in the, the drives and things that we do here at the church um, so that's one of the things we'll want to do for our library another thing is uh, continue to strive for excellence in all of our ministries and all of the ways that we um, are providing to train up people and then also we want to look at Different creative and unique ways and intentional ways to foster growth, spiritual growth, for people in all different types of, of their walks with Christ. So for people at the beginning of their walk with Christ, where can they go? Where can they get plugged into to help them take those first five steps? Help them really get, get into it. For people who have been maybe walking for, for 60 years, which we've got at the church, I mean, wh- where would they go? How would they get plugged in to continue to grow? To continue to, to advance in their relationship with Christ, and so that's something that I think we can do much better in 2014, and, and will do much better in 2014. Doing um, in our living room, um, this is really one of those places where you don't have to worry. Okay, as long as I'm here, we're going to be doing that kind of thing, whether you like it or not. Um, I'm going to ask hard questions. And we're going to dig into the scriptures, um, and, and we're just going to we're just going to do that. We're going to be honest. We're going to wrestle. Sometimes we're going to have doubts. Um, and we're going to grow together. We're going to um, pursue Jesus in the scriptures. Um, we'll have the classes still, book studies, elephant in the room, all that stuff. Sermons, um, you know, my promise will always be biblical. Um, then zip line, okay, we want continued growth. The, the way that that happens primarily is, is invites, right? It's, it's personal relationships. Um, um, it's sharing kind of what you found at the church with others. I know that you're doing this. I invite you... To keep doing this, we want to continue to push. Um, so, more money, more volunteers, more time, more hours with East Bin and with Elijah Rising. Okay. By then, 2014, we want to have been more involved than we were in 2013. Um, kind of our goal, our litmus test, how, how I would know whether we've reached the kind of mission and purpose that I want us as a corporate body to reach is this. If we left or if we stopped, would our presence be missed? Not because we want to be important, but because we want to be doing something significant, right? I mean, if FCQ disappeared tomorrow, would the city go, oh, what happened? We were kind of counting on them for some things. Would Eastport Ben Human Needs go, well, we've got a big gap now <clears throat> if they're not supporting us? Would Elijah Rising go, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to figure some things out because they were, they were a big part of what we were doing in the world. Um, and then I'm sure in 2014, other ministries will come in and, and we'll support them as well. Um, our goal is to be significant; that our presence would be be missed if we're not. Um, again, the dream here is, is that God's Spirit might be available in our church, in our community. The dream is that we might be a place and a people where someone might have a library experience, where someone might become better at praying and better at reading the Bible. And learn what it is to be honest about your sins and learn what it is to, to have someone hold you accountable. It's not an easy thing if you tried. Maybe some of us haven't even experienced that yet. There's, there's a searching still for that, for that experience. That's, that's what we want to foster though. That's where we want to go. We want to be a people group where people can experience that, that living room environment. where we're not afraid of anything. Come be messy with us. We're messy. Come have rough, rough edges. Come have questions and doubts. We've got questions and doubts. Come to be honest. We, we want to be honest. And then people might, might have the zipline experience. They might feel what it's like to be called to throw themselves into something bigger than themselves. To not just have the Sunday faith, but to have this Monday through Sunday faith. To have this kingdom perspective where they're involved in this big, grand project, this plan of salvation where God's kingdom is coming to earth as it is in heaven. And so my invitation to you this morning, what I'm asking and pleading for you to do is that you would join me, one in praying that, that would be true of our, our church, and then two in, in working towards that with me. Whatever ways that, that looks like for you, plugging in here and plugging in there, that you would you would commit yourself to that with me in 2014. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We pray that you would bless us and bless our church. We pray that you would um, be with our, our different ministries and our different leaders and, and all of us who are involved here um, with our families, with our friends, and with our neighbors. We pray that you'd be with Sugarland and with Houston. We pray that you would move powerfully in us and among us, Father. We pray that, that we would, um, in this upcoming year, grow even closer towards you and find all the joy and freedom and life that is there for us to experience. We pray that we would grow in our knowledge of you, grow in our our grasp of the scriptures, Father, that we would be people of the word, and that we would be people in 2014 who who were more committed to the mission, who have further further figured out what it means to, to be on a task with you, to be all about your kingdom, to be all about what you're doing in the world around us, we know that, that we can't produce these efforts on our own, so we ask for your help. We, we anticipate your help as always. We appreciate and, and give thanks for and praise you for your grace and forgiveness, for the, the love that you poured out in your son, for the life and the ability to obey that you give us in your spirit, Father. And, and we acknowledge and praise you for that and ask for those continued blessings in the year to come. Would you be with us? Would you bless us? And would you keep us? This is the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit that we all prayed. <clears throat> Amen.